The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This with Leanne podcast and are for purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. In the field of medicine, as well as doctors, specialists, hospital acute care, there's also an array of alternative and complementary medical practices. Now you're here listening to me talk about nutrition and in a way that's an alternative or complementary practice further to the medicine model. Now after all Hippocrates the father of medicine did say let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food so we're in good company (laughs) and a number of traditional medicine practices well they all take just a different stance. They take a holistic approach, meaning that they're looking at the connection between all the different aspects of our bodies, including your symptoms and treating those symptoms accordingly as a little bit different to what happens when you go to the doctor. Now, a lot of these complementary or alternative therapies, they're looking at the fact that maybe you have a sore toe, but how does that influence? Where's that coming from? Where's the root cause of that? So what I'm talking about when I say traditional alternative medicine practices, those are acupuncture, for instance, naturopathy, homeopathy, Chinese, uh, traditional Chinese medicine or other oriental medicine practices, and also Ayurveda. Now, these therapies, they've been practiced for centuries worldwide. And one of the ones that I don't know that much about, or maybe you don't even know that much uh, about, is called Ayurveda. It's been around. I've heard of it. I do yoga with Sanskrit. Like, there's all of these crossovers. But when we had Dr. Nick Bitts on in episode 133, he started to share a little bit of his vast wisdom as well as the senescence and the senescent cells that he was talking about in terms of longevity and anti-aging. And my gosh, he just started to talk a little bit about Ayurveda and, you know, his face lit up and he just, it was just, do you remember that, Chris, when he was just... I was like, wow, we need to know more about this. That was you that was that was like a giddy little schoolgirl who was going, oh, right? oh that sounds interesting. That teach me, sounds... teach me. I want to know. Right? Yeah, that, that was probably more me than you, I'd probably say. Even though we're both on the Zoom screen. But still, that's basically prompted this episode and this show. Now, from my research, uh, Ayurveda originated in India more than 3,000 years ago. Now, the term Ayurveda definitely means knowledge of life and has a philosophy that disease is due to imbalances or stress in a person's consciousness. 
Ayurveda encourages certain lifestyle interventions, natural therapies as well, to regain balance between the, the body, the mind, the spirit, and the environment. Now, I'm definitely in all in alignment with all of that. Just as TCM or traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture view the body in a specific way. And my acupuncturist, well, she's always telling me that, you know, while my kidney chi is way off and she's trying to bring me back to balance, my kidneys are actually okay and they're doing all right. So she constantly says that it's when I tell you something, it doesn't mean that there's an organ failures going on. It means that this is the way that in traditional Chinese medicine that we look at this. Now, the Ayurvedic concepts of universal interconnectedness look at the body's constitution and life forces. Now, I happen to know that these are called doshas. I don't know too much more about them than that. And they're the basis of Ayurvedic medicine. Now, really, it's not out of the ballpark of other traditional medicine practices, as the goals of Ayurvedic medicine or treatment, the practices of this are to aid a person in eliminating purities, reducing symptoms, increase their resistance to disease, reduce worry. That got my attention because, boy, if somebody could give me a magic pill for that for a lifetime, I'd be taking it. Increasing harmony in your life overall. Now, I'm not going to go too much further into this as Dr. Nick is here once again to share his wisdom and truly I'm all ears. While I buy Ayurvedic skincare products, I totally confess that I really don't know much about it other than it stops my dry skin from looking and feeling like parchment paper, especially over the winter months. So today on Eat This with Leanne, Ayurvedic medicine, what it is, the approach, maybe even the guidance on what dosha you are and what could this 3,000-year-old medicine do for you? I'm not sure what it is about Ayurvedic medicine that has stopped from putting myself in front of a practitioner up until now, but the more I hear about it, the more I want to know. So I'm taking you along with us on this ride to know a lot more about it. Now, as I research topics for Eat This with Leanne every single week, I learn a ton and I'm going to hazard a guess that this topic is going to be no different. Dr. Nick Bitts, well, he's back with us. He taught us about Collagen 101 way back in episode 46. And more recently in episode 133, he was talking about the cutting edge of senescence and senescent cells, which is a new space that he has much wisdom about. His passion, though, from what he shared with us in that episode is Ayurvedic medicine. Dr. Nick is a licensed board certified naturopathic doctor specializing in integrative medicine. And he also works as the senior VP of product development at the Neurohacker Collective. His areas of expertise further to Ayurveda include neurotropics, anti aging, regenerative medicine, biohacking, weight management, and sleep. To say this dude is a smart cookie is an understatement. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nick, for joining us again after being with us uh, for two episodes in the past. And I'm so excited today. I've been waiting for this episode, waiting for this chat to talk about Ayurvedic medicine. So I'm definitely going to let you kind of lead on this one. But basically, what do we need to know about it? How is it going to change our lives? And and how's it different to, you know, it's a, it, it seems to me like a different way of coming at medicine. So yeah, off you go. 
Good to be here again. <laughs> uh, love chatting about Ayurveda. To me, it's um, the most exciting aspect of everything that I do, and it really informs how I view life, uh, how I create products, um, how I relate to everything. And and for me, it's it's just been a godsend. So, um, you know, I, I I've had a, a long healing journey myself. You know, when I was twelve, I hurt my back and. Nothing seemed to work. And so I, I essentially had to heal myself. And through that journey, um, discovered yoga, uh, discovered Sanskrit, which is the, the ancient language of Ayurveda and yoga. Okay. Um, and then I moved into a, a holistic medical school called Bastyr University up in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they had an Ayurvedic program up there. And so it was a matter of timing and synergy and all of these things just aligning. And wow. at that time, Robert Svoboda um, was was teaching up there. And he's really one of the, the most foremost experts in Ayurveda. And if you listen to him talk, um, he will blow your mind. He is a Westerner from Texas. Um, really? He's an MD that got stranded in India um, and discovered Ayurveda because he, he got sick when he was over there. Okay. And so he's dedicated his whole life to the study of Ayurveda. Um, and so he now is, I would say, one of the major mouthpieces uh, in the West in terms of educating uh, Westerners what, in terms of what Ayurveda is. Mm-hmm. So I was able to learn from him um, and he really just lit a fire. He sent me over to India um, where I plugged into an Ayurvedic um, school over there. I, I, wow. I lived in an ashram. Um, which there was a guru. Um, I, I worked in a hospital where they did panchakarma detox therapies. Wow. Um, so I got really good firsthand knowledge of Ayurveda um, in its motherland, which which for me is is everything. It's it takes it out of a book and it makes it much more real. And um it was just a, a complete submersion into this whole foreign um um, just vast, complex world. And, and I was so inspired. Um, and this was in the South of India where Ayurveda is still alive and well. Okay. Um, but I was able to bring that back to the West, um, worked with a lot of mentors, uh, specifically in the, in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I just started using it clinically. And then, so I've, it's always been a part of what I do personally. Right. Makes um, sense. but, but I love bringing it to others. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so that's kind of my journey to Ayurveda. I I've read pretty much every Ayurveda book out there. When I was traveling through India, I was carrying these big encyclopedias, um, called the Charaka Samhita, which is the, the traditional Ayurvedic texts, um, in Sanskrit, uh, with English subtitles. Um, and I, I just was, my head was always wrapped in one of those books. I brought that back. I still have those books. They're barely hanging on. Wow. Um, I wanted to bring that knowledge back in its purest form here to the States. Um, right. Wow. So it, it just, I'll just quickly define Ayurveda since, since uh, I haven't yet. Um, yeah. Can I just ask a quick question yeah. about, about India? So you said that it is alive and well in the South. Um, is Ayurveda in India, like, you know, our medicine, like our doctors here, or is it sort of on the fringe a little bit more like the complementary and alternative therapy in India, or is it primary? So it's primary. Um, wow. And, and, but the thing is, it's part of um, kind of their heritage. It's part of right. their DNA. And so you find Ayurveda in every household. 
Um, right. You find it in the ingredients they cook with, the spices, the ghees, um, their their choices of food, etc. Mm-hmm. All of that is informed by Ayurveda. Okay. Um, but I, I would say that traditional allopathic medicine, which is what we have in the states, yeah. Um, you know, it's a very business model in the states, and that certainly in Canada, is in Canada. as well. Yeah, North North American, probably a part of Europe anyway. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, yeah. and 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 yeah. so they there is you know they have access to to really great healthcare there, uh, cutting edge. They do pharmaceuticals, they do surgery, but again, all of that comes from Ayurveda. Um, surgery wow. started in the Ayurvedic tradition. Um, instead of using sutures um, when they when they had a wound or when yeah. they did a, an incision, they would actually use ants which sounds crazy now, but they would use ants that would then close the womb with their mouths. And then they would, uh, they could break off the ants and the ants would naturally close the wound. Seriously? Yeah. And so there's really, uh, there's some amazing records of all of this stuff, but it all comes from Ayurveda, all of it. Wow. The other day on social media, I think it was National Geographic had an insanely up close um, image of an ant's face and teeth. Yeah. Uh, if we saw that, like, you know, kind of shark size, it'd be petrifying. They have so many teeth. <laughs> and of course, they're so small, so you've never seen it. That is so cool that that's what they would do to close, use all those million teeth that's in, the ra- in their little tiny mouth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It mind, sounds, mind blown. <laughs> it sounds far-fetched, but, but that's, but again, 5,000 years ago, they didn't have access to all of the things that we have access to today. And so- right. They were deeply aligned with nature. I mean, because they had no other choice. Right. Um, and so they figured out what works and what doesn't work. And so Ayurveda really is this accumulation of wisdom um, that that seers and saints and sages um, uh, observed and witnessed and, and captured and then communicated and, and brought it all together. And so... Um, it has a very deep lineage. Uh, mm. It's really incredibly fascinating. I mean, it is. So just in short, Ayurveda is the traditional healing system of Ayurveda. It's um, considered the first form of medicine from which all medicines come from, mm. um, including Tibetan medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, um, as I mentioned, uh, uh, conventional allopathic medicine that, that is around today. Mm-hmm. Um, but in written form, uh, we know that it's been around for 5,000 years. And we know that it's probably much longer than that um, because it was predominantly spoken. And when you, when you study, when you move into an Ayurvedic school in a traditional format within Ayurveda, it's all chanting and memorization of words and it's all communi- uh, communicated orally. Um, and so that tradition's still alive and well. It, it's definitely evolving in terms of how they're communicating this information and how they're teaching this. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 I but I love that. I, I love that you get plugged into a lineage with a guru who communicates directly, and you gather all of this wisdom that then you can utilize and then um, uh, basically let loose on the world to let them uh, experience the wisdom that, that's bound in Ayurveda as well. So how does this? In traditional Chinese medicine, and I, I mentioned off the top how when I see my acupuncturist, she's you know talking about my kidney chi and stuff like that, but it, she keeps on telling me, your kidneys are fine, but this is what I'm talking about. So there's like a language 
to, to traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So where does Ayurveda and, and doshas, have I got that right? There's yeah. different, different, is that, well, just you explain it. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to just put on it. What I think it is, it sort of feels like a personality or there's four different types and all that kind of stuff. So why don't you head in that direction? So I yeah, stop you're, butchering you're, it all. <laughs> you're spot on. I mean, so traditional Chinese medicine has its own language. Right. Um, every form of medicine really has its own language. And so Ayurveda is its own paradigm, um, has its own language. It's all based in Sanskrit, which is uh, the language that they use for, for yogic sciences as well. And, and yoga is the sister science of yoga. They, they really are two sides of a coin um, and okay. they work hand in hand. And they're, they, 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 they both should be used according to old philosophy, mm-hmm. um, by, by people at the same time to really make sure that you're taking care of body, mind, spirit, and all right. of that. So, um, so yeah. So when you look at Ayurveda, um, I, Ayurveda really is two different words. It's IU and Veda. Okay. Um, IU means, uh, life and Veda means science or wisdom. And so Ayurveda then is, um, the, the, the kind of wisdom of living or the science of living. It's much broader than just a medical system. That's about diagnosis and treatment. It's about how do we relate with the world? Um, and, and what do you do on a daily basis to promote health? Mm. And there's a couple core principles, uh, of Ayurveda that, that are worth talking about. Again, a very vast and complex system, um, but it is quite intuitive and, and fairly easy to, to apply some of these lessons okay. um, for most people. So if we can just d- kind of dive into some of those core principles. Mm, yes, please. Um, so you brought up that idea of doshas um, right. and this idea of tridoshas, which means um, kind of three body types. Um, it, it's really central to Ayurveda. And I think that's uh, the entry point for most people when they start hearing about Ayurveda or learning about Ayurveda, um, they understand this idea of um, everybody has their own body type. Uh, there's basically okay. three main body types or doshas, okay. vata, pitta, and kapha. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's some combination amongst those three. And so in general, there's about seven body types, mm. but they're all based around vata, pitta, and, and kapha. And so this is easily what Ayurveda is most well-known for, but it's uh, also, also, I would say, the, the most misunderstood aspect of Ayurveda as well. Hmm. Um, How so? I, I think that people tend to oversimplify this, um, and, and I think they tend to use this information in the wrong way. Hmm. Um, and so once you, when you get below the surface and you understand uh, the inner workings of this body type philosophy, um, it becomes much more useful and much more accurate. Um, and, and so just talking about that in short, so the, the Vata Pitta Kapha, they're really just energies inside of the body. Okay. Um, they, they govern all of the physical processes. They provide us with our individual blueprint for health. Um, and your, your body type or your dosha um, um, was determined at the point of conception. Um, and so that's uh, in large part determined by the, the body type of your parents, mm-hmm. but there's some other things as well that, that influence your, uh, body type at that point of conception. Wow. And, and so your body type or your constitution then is unwavering throughout the course of your life. It is it never changes. It never changes. Um, and so the energies inside your body do fluctuate, but you're always trying to get back to that core set point. 
which is your constitution. And so depending on your specific ratio of this vata pitta kapha inside your body, mm-hmm. um, that represents the healthy norm for a balanced state for you. And so it really is kind of your, your set point that you're always striving to achieve and maintain over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the goals of Ayurveda then is to understand what is your body type and to identify that specifically. And once you do, um, it becomes very easy to understand what you need to do on a daily basis to create that balance. Right. And how on earth do you do that? That's a day long quiz or you got to talk to someone or there are like, you know, your top 10 where you think, oh, I fit in that bucket, that bucket or that bucket. Or is this what you're trying to say? There's a lot of misunderstood uh, information in terms of identifying yourself, which, um, you know, which of the three you actually are. Yeah. You know, there are some online questionnaires that you can use um, and, and some of them are are better than others and they can be valuable, I think, to a certain extent, okay. but they're not the end all and be all. They're very just superficial in terms of identifying uh, Got your it. body type. It, it, it certainly is best to work with somebody who's trained in Ayurveda. Got it. Um, and, and not in a superficially way, a, a very deep way, somebody who's worked with a mentor, ideally somebody who's worked in a clinical setting, mm-hmm. um, because they can, uh, they can look at you and tell you your body type, you know, and really, then, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I've gotten to the point too, now when I understand the elements and how they are relayed into body types, I can look at somebody right away and, and, and figure out what is your body type, what yep. is out of balance and what do you need to do to create balance? And so you know, that can be informed a lot, uh, by, by just listening to somebody's history, listening to their, uh, their, their health concerns, um, pulse diagnosis, um, Mm -hmm. is is an important aspect of Ayurvedic diagnosis as well. Huge in traditional Chinese medicine. You know, if you work with anybody who does, uh, acupuncture, they always take your pulse. They're listening to all of your different organs. They can feel your imbalances. Um, and Ayurveda does that as well. There's seven layers to a pulse. Um, and, and you can feel all of those different layers and you can very clearly, um, you can ascertain from that somebody's, uh, specific body type. And so right. I think that that is hands down the best way that you, you can determine a, a body type is through pulse diagnosis by an Ayurvedic, uh, uh, practitioner. Okay. So when you're saying this body type, then what plops you know, comes up in my mind is like pear shaped, apple shaped, you know, body type, those kind of things. But this sounds like it's on a whole other level and is all encompassing on what an in, who an individual is on every single la- layer and level. Yeah, I think there's some overlaps with with that idea, but but okay. in essence, that's it. I mean, um, you know, these 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 three different doshas, the vata, pitta, kapha they're really informed by the five great elements. Um, and this is another core concept of Ayurveda that, that is absolutely intriguing to me. Um, the five great elements of how everything is, everything that's physical is, is made up of these five elements. And mm-hmm. so we start from consciousness, which is nothingness, um, vibrant energy, right? It moves into space, which is ether. And then you have air, mm-hmm. you have fire, then you have yeah. water, and then you have earth. And so you have this from consciousness, you have this, um, the elements become much more dense and they become much more physical. And so it's a full spectrum of all of those different elements that make up everything, including the human body. 
And so vatas um, tend to be the more subtle elements. So they're just space and air. And so when you look at somebody who is thin, um, uh, perhaps tall, wiry, um, super energetic, like a deer in headlights, you know, they are all vata. They are all space and air elements. They're lacking those other three elements, which are fire, water, and earth. Mm, and that so, sounds just like you, Chris. <laughs> Full of hot air, maybe. Not uh, not the other stuff. <laughs> That's really funny. I would not, I don't know. I mean, we're on a Zoom screen, so we can't see each other. But um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's either of us. What do you think, Chris? Well, there's certain elements there, I think, that you can connect to. But I th- you'd have to know more about the other elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Carry on. Let's see if we can self-identify and get it right. Yeah, so, so in essence, that's a vata, right? Okay. Vatas are, are thin, wiry, energetic, all over the place individuals. They lack grounding. Um, and then you have pitta. Pitta is, is the combination of two different elements. It's fire and water. And so these, usually these people tend to be a little bit more robust. They can build muscle really quickly. They can lose muscle really quickly. They tend to be very bright um, because they have a lot of that fire element. So they can digest ideas quickly and they communicate very sharply because they have all that internal fire. Mm. Um, And so these people, you know, that they, they have a lot more fire. So they're the people that are wearing t-shirts when everybody else is wearing jackets as an example. Okay. Um, and and super easy to identify, generally speaking. And which um, was that one again? So that's the pitta. Pitta, okay. Um, and it's it's really kind of the archetype element there is fire. So they're the people that are just fiery. They tend to radiate heat. Um, and then you have kapha. Kaphas are much bigger in constitution. Um, they're they're considered like big boned naturally okay. because they have a lot of water and earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they tend to be a little bit slower. They tend to be the people that just put on weight, even if they're just breathing air. Right. Um, and, and they tend to have a little bit slower disposition, a little bit sweeter disposition. So those are the kaphas and those are kind of like the three main type. And then there's, there's a blending that make up the seven different combinations, um, in total, but yeah. Without going, I mean that's a that's a vast conversation, and it, of course, it's, it's it's really kind of hard to understand just talking about it in in a, a couple minute time frame. But yeah, the thing that I like about the great elements that makes a lot of sense, um, and hopefully can make a lot of sense for your listeners, is this idea that like attracts like, and opposites create balance. Mm-hmm. And that is the I think the core principle of Ayurveda. Like attracts like, opposites create balance. And so if somebody has too much fire, yeah. you want to avoid fire in your life. You want, to, you want to make sure that you're giving them things that are the opposite of fire, right? Things that are cooling, things that are moisturizing, things that are um, less intense. And so Ayurveda then understands energetic properties and it can understand how to balance out these elements inside your body based upon that idea that opposites create balance. And so vatas will naturally increase their space and air again, just naturally. That's their propensity because like attracts like. So vatas, because they're that the most subtle elements, they need water, fire, and earth in everything that they do to create balance. If that makes sense. So yeah, when and when and diet, when, yep. when you say that they need water, like they need to drink more water, 
In part, yeah. Or the energy and the energy, not or, and the energy of water being close to water, those kind of things. Is that the the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, in essence. I mean, everything needs to balance out those two elements. And so you don't want to add more space and air into your... So there are certain foods, as an example, like let's just look at... uh, First thing that comes to mind would be like granola, right? Granola is not, it's lacking water. It's lacking fire because it's not cooked. It's not really um, substantial and it's lacking earth. So from a food perspective, um, I would say that granola tends to be full of space and air. So if you're eating your vata and you're constantly eating this dry, cold granola, you're adding more vata into your body, right? Mm -hmm. The opposite of that would be to do foods that are high in water, fire and earth. And so Ayurveda lays that out really clearly. You can, if you are a a Vata body type, you can get online, you can look up an anti-Vata diet and figure out exactly what foods you should be eating and which ones you should be avoiding just to create that balance inside the body. Where does ice cream fall into? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Into, into all of these. Of you brought up ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm always looking out for you, buddy. Always. Yeah, but we don't Where know what ice cream bo- fit we in? don't we don't know what body type I am yet. Well, what would you <laughs> what what would you identify yourself from what Nick has said so far, Chris? I am somewhere between uh the Vata and Pitta is where I am. Somewhere in there. That would make sense. Yep. Would ice cream be a uh, a, a good match for someone who's blended with Vita and Pitta? <laughs> what is ice cream anyway? Vata. Fire, water, air, yeah. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> so it is kafa. It's almost like an ex- like a mirror image of kafa. Really? It, See, that it's makes heavy sense. And cold and full of water and dense and all of that. So. If you need more kapha in your life, that can be that can be absolutely therapeutic. Eating eating ice cream sounds counterintuitive. Um, sounds based right. on your body type. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like you're right on the nose. Right. Yeah, See, I knew maybe. there was a reason okay. we had Nick on the show. He is a smart smart man. <laughs> so Chris can keep eating his ice cream. Okay, so let me just wrap my head around this for a second. So if Chris is somewhere in between the vata and the and the pitta, and then in order to balance those, he can eat the ice cream, which is kapha, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. That like kind of brings in balance. the the balance. balance. Do I have that right? That's it. That is it. Oh. And so it, it's it's somewhat counterintuitive to the Western mindset to to say that like something like ice cream can be right. healing, right? Um, But it absolutely is. Assuming you have the capacity to digest it and break it down, you don't have dairy allergies, all of that. Right, right. But it is. So so if you are vata pitta, you want to avoid things that are more vata pitta and you want to introduce things that are more kapha, which would be ice cream, as an example, or yogurt or these dense, heavy, cold foods. And so mm-hmm. I would say, yes, ice cream is, is therapeutic in that sense to balance out those other two body types. I told my okay. lovely wife to stop feeding me that dry granola and she won't listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what else would Chris, um, give us some other foods that fall into the, to the kapha for Chris, for instance? Well, so anything, kapha foods would be anything that's like calming, cold, uh, oily, um, and so there's 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 a whole list of, mm. of do's and don'ts. And so sure. you would want to eat um, a, a kapha promoting diet or an anti-vata, anti-pitta 
diet. Okay. And it's just based upon those ideas of, of energetic properties, um, whether it's hot, cold, dry, moist, calming, stimulating, heavy, light, rough, smooth. And so everything in Ayurveda has been classified according to its energetic properties. And I think that's, that's ultimately the gift of Ayurveda is they've broken down every food substance. They've broken down every spice, every botanical, um, literally everything under the sun. Right. And, and they've, they've um, basically uh, demonstrated the, the energetic properties and the elements that make up that. So based upon that information, if you know your body type, you know exactly how you should be relating to things and what you need more of and what you need less of. Wow, that's very cool. Today on Eat This with Leanne, Ayurvedic medicine, what it is, the approach, maybe even the guidance on what dosha you are, and what could this 3,000-year-old medicine do for you? Dr. Nick is here once again to share his wisdom, and truly, I'm all ears. So what if Chris is eating the granola? What is the likely effect of that? And I'm, only, I'm just using that as, as, as an example because that would be giving him more air. You're right. Yeah. So that's producing, that's more vata. And so if you're giving the body more of that vata energy and you already have yep. a lot of it, yep. that pushes you in the direction of vata type diseases. And so vata is really any movement inside the body, any, um, any fluctuation or any, any energy space. Mm -hmm. So it tends to kind of have an impact on, on several different functions. Uh, the two that, that come to mind that are predominant would be the, the nervous function. Okay. And so you would have central nervous system disorders, um, because again, Vata is movement. And so nerves in the body relay information from point A to point B. Um, and so you're getting too much of that energy. It can present as anxiety or nervousness. I was um, just going to ask about like the mental health layer. Yeah. And how does, how, how does like something like that, like the mental health piece kind of weave into, into this or diabetes or insulin resistance and things like that. When you, identify yourself and follow the, you know, anti, uh, anti air diet, anti, um, I, I, I'm not, they're not sticking in my head just yet or the, or the, um, I've, all of them have gone out of my head now. <laughs> Vata, Pita, yeah. Pita, Vata, you got it. And Kapha. Thank you, Chris. Thank goodness nice. I'm well here done. for crying out loud. You know how many times you dropped a yeah. ball, Leanne, and I got to pick it right back up and toss it back to I you. I know, it's right. <laughs> So Leanne, so you brought up a really good point. Um, so, so Vata Pitta Kapha govern the physical body. They do impact um, psychology states. They create right. personality. They, they really make you who you are. It's really the DNA. Right. But there, there's a whole nother area of Ayurveda that, that is um, perhaps another core concept that's, that's I think worth talking about. And um, it's called trigunas. So we have the, the tridoshas, which are the three body types. Okay. And then there's also the trigunas, which are the primal energies. And so these energies are basically underlying everything and they're interwoven into everything. And um, there, there's basically, there's three of them and those energies are what make up the mind. And so there's mm -hmm. ways to 
um, influence these energies specifically in the mind so that it changes your consciousness. It changes your mental state. Um, and it gets into some of that mental health aspect that you were, you were talking about. And, you know, food again is uh, nootropic. It's a mind altering substance, according to Ayurveda. And they think that there is a direct relationship between food and the mind. And they believe that food determines the quality of your consciousness uh, overall. And so the energy in your food then determines the energy in your mind. And so what you eat tends to leave an imprint on your mind and it creates your mind space. And so um, these three energies that, that make up uh, everything in the universe, including what, what are found in foods are sattva, rajas, and tamas. Um, crazy sound, sounding Sanskrit words, I know. But yeah. each one has a specific energy um, and they all play together. And so um, according to Ayurveda, when, when you eat a certain food, you're taking in a predominant energy. Yes. Um, and so sattva, as an example, is considered stillness. A rajas is movement, and then Thomas is heaviness. And so they provide really these the the, the full spectrum of energies that exist uh, in the universe. And they kind of, as I mentioned, they kind of weave together to create a, a rope of, of mm -hmm. the physical universe. Um, but they're they're underlying everything. And so Ayurveda then looks at food and they said, okay, what what energy exists in this food? And there are certain foods that are full of sattva as an example and so when you hmm. consume this then you're getting more sattva in your mind which is creating stillness um you know as an wow. example when you, when you consume water water is very sattvic it's just creating stillness in the mind but when you when you consume coffee that's full of rajas it's full of movement uh and, and energy and when you consume alcohol that's full of thomas which is kind of that heavy dull um, kind of dark energy. And so foods all have those three different energies. There's only one that predominates at any one time, but you can purify your mind or you can change your mind by eating specific foods. And so Ayurveda really likes to promote a sattvic diet, um, which is called the yogic diet as well. But the sattvic okay. diet is all about the mind. It's these foods that contain sattva that then create sattva in the mind that creates stillness and meditation and peace and bliss and all of those things I think that people want. Um, I, I'm sure everybody just said, what's the list? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give me the goods. What am I supposed to put in my mouth next for that peace? I, I love that water is... You, that, that you said that I don't know I, I drink water all day long that's really the major liquid that I consume and have done for such a long time call myself a water snob because because I don't like some waters because it's what I drink so um yeah this so yeah what are what else is on the list other than water yeah, so sattvic foods, there's a whole list online. And, and okay. really, they're, they're any food that's fresh, um, uh, they tend to be plant-based. Um, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and so Ayurveda, as an example, they recommend eating plant-based foods because animal-based foods tend to have a lot of Thomas, which is that, that mind-doling energy. Yeah. Um, and so for that reason alone, they don't recommend eating you know, beef, pork, 
um, and, and other type of tamasic foods. But okay. sattvic foods are, are, are foods that we would all think that are, 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 are healthy. They're, they're okay. pretty simple overall. You'd look at like fresh fruits, yep. uh, vegetables, nuts, yep. seeds, uh, mm-hmm. certain legumes, whole grains, non-meat proteins. Um, dairy is, is traditionally considered sattvic too. Um, but I think, you know, times have changed. It's becoming harder and harder to, to source really good quality dairy. Okay. Um, but, but it is still on that list of sattvic foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that, that whole list of sattvic foods are really just the best tools for optimizing mental performance. Um, and, and so Ayurveda then would recommend emphasizing those foods among all the other foods that are available. That makes a lot of sense and backs up pretty much what we say on on Eat This with Leanne every single week. You know, just put down the box, the bag, and the product with the barcode, typically, unless it's on your bananas, I guess. Where does fish fit into into this? Yeah, so I would say most meats uh, tend to be a little bit rajasic creating okay. that, that, that movement in the mind. Um, okay. so fish is, is certainly on that list of a rajasic food. Chicken okay. is on that list. Um, you know, you get coffee on that list, onions, right. garlic, fermented foods, chocolate, mm. mm-hmm. those things create movement in the mind, which again is important. It can be healthy in small doses, but, but ultimately that can be self-destructive and you're consuming those foods day in and day out and you have too much activity in the mind that's not um, creating equilibrium, which, which is a problem, right? So what I'm hearing is the carnivore or the keto diet is just that, how does that can't even fit in? It doesn't fit into the Ayurvedic paradigm. I, I can appreciate no. the value of it from yeah. a physiology standpoint, but especially when you look at the mind, um, it, it, it doesn't fit into this whole picture. And, and one example that I'll even, I'll mention here quickly, I know mushrooms are, are mm. everybody raves about medicinal mushrooms these days. And talked and, about them three, ta- three episodes so far, and there might be one more listeners coming up. Yeah. So and, and there's a lot of amazing nutrients in, yeah. in, in mushrooms and, and they're, they're incredibly powerful. They can be incredibly useful for, for, for health and well-being. With that said, when you bring it into the Ayurvedic worldview, mushrooms don't fit. Um, mushrooms are tamasic or tamas in energy. And so they're, yeah. they're heavy and dulling. And so from an Ayurvedic perspective, whenever you eat any of the mushrooms, it actually dulls the mind. And so they, they, they do not recommend mushrooms from an Ayurvedic perspective. Um, you know, in part, I would say, because mushrooms really aren't native to India, you know, they never were really were cultivated there. They're not a part of their diet. So maybe there's a missed opportunity there, but when you're looking just at the energetic properties of mushrooms as a food, okay. um, they're a no-go from an Ayurvedic perspective. Wow. That's really interesting. So if some, if one of our lovely loyal listeners thinks, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of sounding interesting. I want to dive into this and, and, and find out my dosha and see a practitioner further to any online quiz that everybody's gone to search for right now. Um, what are they looking for in someone with their training um, and their expertise, and then what should they expect if they were to seek out um, an Ayurvedic doctor? Is that the right term? 
Yeah. So um, Ayurveda is not uh, right now regulated in the U.S. There's no right. license to become a, a practitioner or an Ayurvedic okay. doctor in the States. Got I it. would say Ayurveda is um, presently where I, uh, acupuncture was in the 70s. Mm. So you're starting to see um, a lot more practitioners that offer this as one of their tools. Yes. Um, but it's not highly regulated yet. There's no um, exam to get a license. Okay. Um, and so it really comes down to a person's ability. Um, and, and what is their lineage? How have they studied this? Are they yeah. practicing in a clinical setting, which, which is, I think, incredibly useful and important. Yep. Um, and so it, it's hard to put your finger on the do's and don'ts, um, much like a, a traditional Chinese medicine, somebody who focuses on acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to find the right practitioner, but when you do, you know, Yes. and, and not every practitioner is great. And mm-hmm. so uh, I would say it's important to reach out to a number of them. Um, I would do a 15-minute consult with each of them just to right. understand their background, their training, their philosophy, um, and their, their track record. Have they worked right. with individuals with condition X? Yeah. Um, and, and how did it work? And right. how long should it take? You know, all of those things um, are critically important, I think, to finding the right uh, health practitioner. But but I think what's what's more important too is if you're interested in this form of healthcare or, mm-hmm. or uh, personal care, taking care mm-hmm. of yourself, I would just pick up books and start reading. There, there's a that's really where it all starts. Um, I, I think Ayurveda is meant to be a tool that's used by each individual, and so start diving into some of the the core books. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's where it started for me. I think that's where it started for a lot of my, my colleagues that are practicing uh, Ayurveda as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all the books by Robert Svoboda are, are considered, I think the best out there for Westerners. Um, he does a very good job of, of just describing what is Ayurveda and all of the, um, uh, the philosophy thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vasant Laud is a fantastic teacher here based out of New Mexico. He's written a number of amazing books as well. And so I would just dive into the literature, start picking up a book, reading about it. And yep. once you start getting into that world, you then can start relating that information to yourself. And you know then what you should eat, you know, what your body type is, you know how to how to work with botanicals. Um, and, and you can kind of start to heal yourself. Yeah. And in healing yourself, then that would equate to the insulin resistant potential, the heart attack potential, the heart disease, the, you know, the extra weight that maybe someone is carrying the hormonal balance. Like if we're looking at all the things that can be off, let's say in any given human at any given moment, then what I'm, if what I'm hearing you say is, is accurate. So I'm just mirroring this back is that this gives you the ability to bring all of that back into balance and who knows what the potential of that is other than obviously bliss, as you said, in the mind and, and a really good feeling body. Yeah, you you nailed it. I mean, Ayurveda isn't really about um, getting rid of diabetes as an example, right? It's about creating health. And um, that's a whole other paradigm. Oh my gosh. It's a whole nother paradigm. And it's hard for people to wrap their head around that. Um, I think. Yeah. But I, I like to use the, the analogy of a, of a dark room. Yeah. You, know, you walk into a dark room and you don't try to push out the dark. You just simply turn on a light switch and you create 
health. And, and so that's, you know, when you create health, all of those imbalances, those conditions, those problems, they can spontaneously disappear. And, and that's what's beautiful. You don't need to focus on each individual disorder or problem. You just create yeah. health. It's a very Western way. Everything it's, shifts. It's, it's the Western model. And in different podcasts that I've been listening to lately, and even where doctors are speaking, medical doctors who have moved out of their medical practice, you know, just identifying that in, in the medical profession, they are really focused on one particular system. So it's your heart, right? So let's just deal with your heart. And, and here's all the pills for what it is that, that you need in order to keep your blood pressure lower or your cholesterol issues or, and there's really not the amalgamation of, so what is going, you know, how did you get here and what is out of balance or what, how did you get that blocked artery and, you know, and start to start the conversation around that. It is a reactive medicine. That was the term that I heard and I would give credit if I remembered who it was, because I'd listened to stuff all week. So really, really interesting that this is a complete flip to that model of now you're sick. So, and here's a pill to make it better. So I love the way that you've described this. It's just, yeah, my mind is just trying to like re defrag and resort itself as, <laughs> as you're saying all of these things, because it's just, it, it actually has made me feel calmer. And I don't know, you know, that's just sort of an, something that, that I'll share is, wow, there is actually something out there that does not feel as much. Um, it just feels all encompassing. It feels like you're seen in a way. So many times when you feel something and you go and communicate that in the, you know, with the usual channels, acute care, doctors, you might need surgery or something like that. It is just, it's just that one, you know, that one bit. It was an ENT doctor that I was listening to this week and, and she has gone more on the functional medicine route. And she said, sure, I can suck out all the pus from the sinuses and the throat and the ear and all of those kind of things. But then you ship them off and send them back home again. And what happens? Well, they just come back again with the same issue. And are upset with a doctor because they didn't make it better. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. when you actually think about everything, you know, really let land everything that you're describing of creating health, it just feels like such a peaceful journey. Yeah, well put. Mm. I, I love it. And it is peaceful. You know, it's not over the top. It's not extreme. Um, mm. It's really simple. And, and that's, that is Ayurveda. It's very simple in its approach, but it's very broad. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's getting at the root cause. And I know people talk about root cause a lot. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and misuse of that term, but, mm. but I think this is ultimately it. It's getting back to the basics and getting back to the elements, which is the basis of everything in the universe. And there's a way to change these elements inside our body that creates balance and health. And mm. So Ayurveda is just about giving you the tools for doing that. And it's usually through diet or through lifestyle um, yeah. or through certain botanicals. I mean, we've seen the rise of ashwagandha right now in the marketplace. Yes. Ashwagandha is everywhere and it comes from Ayurveda. It's, it is considered one of the core botanicals, you know, but again, ashwagandha is not suitable for every person. 
when you get into the energetics of that plant, um, you see that it's heating. Um, it tends to be very oily, full of moisture, and it's calming. So it's great for vatas, but it's not so great if you're a kapha body type, as an example, or maybe right. a pitta, because it brings too much fire into the body. And so you got to be mindful about how these things are pushing the elements in your body to make sure that it's creating balance and not creating more imbalance. Right. Thank you so much, Dr. Nick. And I am excited. Do you want to just quickly tell us a little bit about part of your, your work? Yeah. So I do product development uh, for a company called Neurohacker Collective. Um, it's a brand that's been around for uh, maybe about five years now, uh, mm -hmm. well known as a nootropic company, which yeah. is a cognitive enhancing uh, product line. Clearly uh, I need that. <laughs> we, we all need more of that. I feel like COVID has just shifted everybody's mental states into being crazy. So and bizarre. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we build dietary supplements uh, that are aimed for cognition and we build a variety of anti-aging products um, as well. Um, everything can be found online. We uh, ship everything direct to consumers. Um, Great. You can find out more information on neurohacker.com. Great stuff. And also on leannephillipson.com, I will have a specific link for you to use. And then when you use the code eat this, you'll get 15% off. So thank you so much for the offer of that for our lovely loyal listeners who who want that. I know where I'm headed for <laughs> helping my cognition. There are times and things just do not sink in. And it drives me bonkers, but I just ask again and again and again. So my daughter says, mom, I already told you this three times. Like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> just tell me again though, because otherwise I'm not gonna know. All right. Well, I'm still exhaling from all of that. My brain is still kind of defragging and realigning things. I thought that was so fascinating. Is that just me being that giddy, giddy kind of schoolgirl <laughs> again, Chris? Or how did that land for you? Uh, it sounds to me like maybe you're just a little out of balance. Possibly. Oh, yes. Yes. It's possible that you are in need of some uh, kaffa type foods, maybe some ice cream. Would, uh, would help to bring things into balance and a little clarity <laughs> in your life. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It cannot no more be, granola, it cannot, no more airy. That's right, it cannot be said enough. Now, we don't know what type body I am, if I am, in fact, somewhere between a vata and a pita uh, I, or pitta, I, I, but... It sounded like it, and I'd probably say I'm probably in that similar boat. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, listen, there's always other factors where people can kind of shoehorn themselves into something by going, yeah. I'm kind of like that. Yeah, so I'm obviously a, yeah. a, a, a vata. Um, yeah. But but still, it's an interesting – it's it's interesting food for thought, if it's a good Absolutely. way of putting it, right? Just to kind of sit yeah. back and go – well, maybe that is why I'm drawn so much to ice cream. It probably has nothing to do with the sugar and the chocolate and the <laughs> and the you know the salted caramel. Probably has nothing to do with any of that. It's obviously I'm out of balance. I think, I think we've just totally enabled you on, even more on the ice cream front. <laughs> Next time your head's in the freezer, it's like I just have to feed my dosha. Leave me alone. I need, I need the, yeah, well, the, the, the kaffa here. Unfortunately, so. my I'll, I'll be back. My dosha doesn't fit into my pants very well. That's the problem. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I love, I love so much that, uh, that Dr. Nick shared about how he studied, because I mm. actually think that that's really, he has set, um, kind of set the scene for, um, a level of understanding of training that a practitioner could go, could go through to get to his level of being able to treat his, right. his patients. So I do, I love that piece that he did. So listeners, when you are looking for someone, it's time to ask all of those questions, like he said. And I also love that, you know, getting those books and learning a little bit more about it and, and, you know, following some people on social media who are saying these kind of things and just, just sort of let it permeate, um, into the kind of things that you're already thinking. It doesn't have to be a hard right or a hard left. And you, you kind of turn into, you know, the, the whole Ayurvedic, um, you know, lifestyle just yet. But I, I think it's really fascinating because as always with everything that I talk about on here, we're really trying to empower ourselves. I'll put both of us in this category in, in, in giving us more understanding of how we can impact our own health. And I think that that's really, you know, this, this just helps. That's why I'm all giddy. That's why I'm all excited. It's just another way of, of getting at it to, and a, and a whole other philosophy to doing your DNA and matching up your right, you know, your right, uh, your right supplements and all the things that we've talked about on here. So anyway, it's another, it's another feather in our caps. <laughs> so much for being along if you want more information of course there are now 139 episodes and we're still going strong you can sign up for uh either of my newsletters they're fairly similar spreadright.com and leannephillipson.com spreadright.com is more where you'll find all about my take this by leanne supplement line tons of blog posts on there which are really topical that go along with a regular a weekly radio segment that i do leannephillipson.com is pretty much everything eat this with leanne so you'll find all sorts of things on there subscribe to this podcast rate it so that other people know other people know to follow along and also as we're moving forward in the episodes, it seems that some of the ones, so episode 38, for instance, may not be available. I'm slowly populating leannephillipson.com with those episodes. So what is it that you want to hear a little bit more about? I'm driving the Ayurvedic conversation here because I want to know about that. So therefore, I feel like it's interesting for you. But if there's something you want to hear, reach out on social media or on either of the uh, of my websites, Leanne Phillipson or Sprout Right, same social media handles and shoot me a message and let me know what you want to hear. Now, recently, I've had a whole bunch of people look uh, book in for a free what supplement call. It's actually something you'll find on SproutRight.com. And when you get to the product page, just on the left side, you can book a free 15 minutes with me to talk about what you're taking, what else might help, and just a few other questions that you have that we can quickly go over in that 15 minutes just to... Sometimes you have questions top of mind that really you really need answering so that you can just move forward. That's what it's designed for. So thanks so much for being along. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your comments. It's great to know that you're out there when we get feedback and that just also keeps us driving forward. So as always, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs> <laughs>